Good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. Welcome to all of our members. Welcome to all of our visitors. If you are visiting with us, uh, we would absolutely love it if you took out one of those cards that you see in front of you and fill that out. There are two little black boxes there in the back of the auditorium. You can place those cards. That's just so we can express our appreciation for you being here with us uh, this morning. This morning, we're continuing uh, our series on Fortify the, the Home. Uh, and if you can remember last week, we began uh, a two-part uh, series within this series called Fortified Manhood. And this morning is going to be a part two uh, to what we discussed last week. Uh, but just by the way of, of review, if you weren't here last week, we talked about how that God is presented in Scripture as a creative God whose creativity shines through the beautiful distinctions of male and female and the roles that he has created for them to embrace. That's the picture of God that we see within the first pages of the Bible. God is anything but bland and boring, but creative and majestic and beautiful. And you see his beauty through the creation of male and female and the complementarity that both of them have. Uh, the biblical ideal we talked about last week is that when men embrace their God-given, God-created identity, it's intended to bring about the greatest kind of satisfaction that we were created to experience, both for men and for women. And when women likewise embrace their God-given identity and their God-ordained roles, it's intended to bring about the greatest satisfaction for both women and men. And ultimately, it brings glory to the God that created them both in His image. But the common notion, and we talked about this last week, that exists within uh, the Western world today especially is that God's design uh, that we see begun in the book of Genesis and then echoed all throughout the Bible uh, that that design is not the best. Uh, the common notion in our culture today is that there's a much better way to be a human being, which is seen in hundreds of ways uh, that, um, that, that are echoed in, in, the, in, in the media and within modern culture. Um, we see uh, the God-created roles of, of male and female uh, very truthfully being neglected, being devalued, being undermined, being mocked, and being replaced by something else. The truth, and the church is a pillar and a buttress of the truth. We need to be committed to uh, revealing truth to the world, an accurate perception of what is real. The truth is that when God's design is subverted, devalued, or replaced with something else. The story of the fall of mankind that we read about in Genesis chapter 3 is replayed over again, and the effects that come with that subversion of God's creativity, of God's design, of God's way of things is devastation and catastrophe. That's why we as the church of Jesus Christ. That's why we need to be a people who uphold 
the beauty of God's design and allow that to shape our homes. To fortify our homes, we must recover. We must model. We must promote a biblical vision of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. We need to have a vision of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, informed not by our culture's perception of reality, but rather informed by the Word of God. And we need to model that vision in our lives and promote that vision to our children so that we raise up image bearers who reflect God's beauty and glory and majesty. So, our goal in this uh, portion of the series, it's not to cover the entirety of uh, manhood and womanhood, but rather our goal is to look at the heart of uh, manhood and womanhood, God's design for manhood and womanhood in the context of the home. And we begun that last week. We started with manhood. Uh, We looked at a man's role in the home as summed up in three ideas, uh, basically, uh, that you see on the screen. And that is benevolent leadership, loyal protection, and devoted provision. Benevolent leadership, loyal protection, and devoted provision. And remember, like I said last week, the, these, these qualities are, are not automatically exclusive to men. Uh, women, likewise, are to lead, protect, and, and provide at times in appropriate ways, which is perfectly legitimate according to God's design. But these traits that we're talking about are more associated with masculinity than femininity according to God's order of things that we see revealed within Scripture. And a godly man needs to seek to embrace them as his divine calling from God in the home. Benevolent leadership, loyal protection, and devoted provision. We looked at the, um, we looked at the first one last week. Um, and just a basic review, and then we'll move on. We looked at benevolent leadership. We talked about how mature masculinity, it bears primary responsibility within the home. The man is the head of the house. He is the, the head, the leader, and embraces that role to the best of his ability. That doesn't mean that women have no responsibility within the home. Uh, We're going to talk about that here within the next few weeks. But the picture that the Bible gives us is that mature masculinity, um, it uh, bears primary responsibility and uh, more specifically primary spiritual responsibility within the home. Uh, Likewise, we talked about how mature masculinity expresses its strength through the willingness to sacrifice for the good of the home. That's how a man expresses his strength in his self-sacrificial giving nature, the nature of God that is displayed through Jesus Christ. Manhood by God's intention is, is, is not, it's not defined by domination 
uh, like a tyrant ruling his home that's living to be served by those in submission to him, which is the common ideal of manhood in our culture today, but that's not biblical at all. Mature masculinity is self-sacrificial. It sacrifices itself for the good of the home. That's what leadership means. Uh, Again, we talked about how mature masculinity, it doesn't assume that it's automatically superior over the wife, but it leans upon her strengths to enhance its leadership in the home. Mature masculinity listens to uh, the, 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 the wife maintaining its headship at the same time. And then lastly, we talked about how mature masculinity recognizes that godly leadership, it requires continual repentance. It requires continual humility and leans upon the grace of God throughout its leadership and its headship. It realizes that you're not going to do everything perfectly. You are going to fail at times. But a man, after God's own heart, gets back up, leans upon the grace of God, and keeps moving forward and embraces that masculine leadership role that we see within Scripture. Now, the second idea that I want to talk to in the meat of the, uh, uh, today's lesson, uh, two things. I want to talk about loyal protection and devoted provision in the context of the home and man's role, uh, the man's role in it. Uh, so let's talk about loyal protection. A godly man is one who protects his home in a variety of, of ways, and we're going to look at uh, a few of those general points here in a moment. And the first one, uh, the first sub-point uh, that falls under the category of loyal protection is this. Mature masculinity, it seeks to give a sense of security to the home. King Loon in C.S. Lewis's The Horse and His Boy said this about kingship, about leadership. For this, he says, is what it means to be a king, to be first in every desperate attack and last in every desperate retreat. And when there's hunger in the land, to wear finer clothes and laugh louder over a scantier meal than any other man in the land. In other words, to be a leader, to be a king, to be somebody that exercises headship over a nation, over a group of people, to be a leader, what that means is to provide a sense of security to those you are leading. It's a universal human need for people to feel secure, to feel safe, to feel like there's a barrier that exists between you and the monsters that are lurking in the dark, to sense this presence in difficult times that communicates to you everything is going to be okay. And there's just something so natural that exists within the, uh, the, the male heart which seeks to give that sense of security to the weak and to the vulnerable, to those who can't produce it themselves. And at the same time, we'll talk about this later, there's just something so natural within the feminine heart, within the female heart that seeks to accept that security from worthy men. 
And we see this echoed within Scripture. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. As the walls of Jerusalem, Jerusalem are coming up, it says this in Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 13. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and, and, and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them, your enemies. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So we see here in this text that as the walls of Jerusalem are, are being constructed again after the Babylonian captivity, there are several people who don't want that to happen. There are several enemies that, it, that, uh, that, that, that exist and, and threaten violence against those that are building uh, the walls. And we can see here that Nehemiah places the prerogative of protection upon the men that exist in the city. It's the men who are called to give their homes a sense of security and to protect them from harm. Now, again, like I said before, that isn't to say that women are incapable of providing a sense of security and protection. Uh, they are most certainly capable and do often. But protection of the weak and security to the vulnerable are more commonly associated with masculinity when thinking about and looking at God's design. Notice also with me in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, looking at verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7. This is the New American Standard Version. It says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, first of all, notice with me as we attempt to understand this text, it's not claiming that men are greater than women in terms of value. It specifically says, your wife is a, quote, fellow heir of the grace of life. Men and women have equal value in the eyes of God. But Peter here is making a general statement about the design of manhood and the design of womanhood. Now, I'll save you the, the technical exegesis uh, in this and just say that someone weaker uh, that we see written here in the text, or if you're using another translation, it might say weaker vessel, someone weaker or weaker vessel is most likely referring to the body. God designed men to have stronger bodies, and God designed women to have weaker bodies. And of course, there are exceptions to this, and we don't want to be naive to that. I've known some women that could whip some men in an arm wrestling <laughs> competition before. But the vast majority of the time, this is the way of things. Men are stronger and possess more strength 
than women. And, and the design here is that the man is not to lord his strength over the woman so that he might be served, so that he might exploit her, so that he might abuse her. No, 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 that's not the design at all. But he is to give his strength, and notice this, this is the, the, the main point, he is to give his God-given strength to the woman as a gift. He is to give what he has as to, th to the woman as a gift, to show her honor, as the text says. And that word honor, it signifies her value. It signifies her worth, how valuable and precious he is. What a man is to do with his God-given strength, as this text says, is that he is to treat her, to handle her, and view her like a piece of priceless jewelry. Because that's what she is in God's eyes. He's to use his strength to give security to the home. That's God's design. That's the way of things. But we know that we live in a world today that desperately wants to overlook this fact, desperately wants this not to be true, and wants to paint another picture of reality. I mean, just look at movie after movie, TV show after TV show, series after series, depict women as being able to overpower male strength just as easily as another man. Brothers and sisters, that's just not real. It's not real. But our culture desperately wants it to be real. The subversion of God's design in reality, in all truth, it does nothing for women. It does nothing for men. Pretending that a woman can do everything a man can do physically hinders them from receiving the blessed gift of masculine strength from worthy men which upholds them in honor, and a kind of honor and a kind of value that they are intended to receive. And it also discourages men from embracing their God-given role as protector and the defender of the home. A biblical vision of mature masculinity is a man who takes responsibility for the physical, emotional, and spiritual security of the weaker vessels in his home. Men, that's God's design. It's by God's design that you give that sense of security, that you seek to give that sense of security to your home. And I'm not saying that you need to be a bodybuilder to, to, to do that. Uh, you, can, uh, you can very well be a, a scrawny nerd like me <laughs> and, and give that sense of security to your home through your willingness to sacrifice, through your willingness to lay down your life for those that are within your care. Mature masculinity seeks to give a sense of security to the home. Now let's look at another aspect of biblical manhood. Secondly, mature masculinity is committed to keen awareness of spiritual threats made against the home. 
As we read last time in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 3, the text says, Be watchful. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. The biblical vision here of manhood, it sees the man as one who is, quote-unquote, watchful, as one who is watchful over his household, as one who doesn't have his head stuck in the sand but is very much aware of the messages, of the influences that are being fed to his home through the culture around him. And, and in all honesty, you don't have to look too long or too hard to see the threats that are made against the home and against the family today. Just by way of illustration, the other day, Anna turned, uh, my wife Anna turned a, a cartoon TV show on for Titus, which depicted two male dinosaurs, uh, and this was a cartoon, two male dinosaurs in a romantic relationship together, a kid's show. Brothers and sisters, that's a threat. That's a threat that's made against the home. It's an attempt to normalize a lifestyle that's contrary to the unique and beautiful design that God created. In fact, one of Disney's executives vowed last year, I believe it was in March of, of, 2020, of, of 2022, to include much more LGBTQ plus characters in their production for children. And, and they're not the only ones, not just trying to single them out. But here's a, here's a father's an attempt, here's my attempt to um, practice this principle of being keenly aware. Uh, so take it for what it's worth. I, I think, personally, I think that the most dangerous worldview that's being fed to our kids today isn't Darwinian evolution. And may, maybe that was true uh, 20, 30 years ago, uh, Darwinian evolution being taught in, in, in high schools, in, in colleges. I don't think that that's the main threat. It's a threat, but I don't think that that's the main one that exists upon the home today. The most dangerous, in my view, worldviews that are making their way into your home every day by the way of school and college and media is radical feminism, is the LGBTQ plus and transgender agendas, which religiously pursue the demise of marriage and the family. And I, I realize, you know, I realize I don't have kids in, in high school. Um, I realize I don't have kids that age. However, I was a youth minister for about four years at the Laverne Congregation, and, and I was closely tied to our teens' school life um, and the things that they experienced. I was heavily involved with um, their, their daily interactions, and they would tell me um, all kinds of things. And I experienced personally these worldviews permeating themselves throughout their high schools and college campuses. Um, just a, a short story at, at one of our youth events that we had uh, several years ago. One of our students invited a friend from school, uh, and as, as she approached the building, I was just standing at the door, and I opened the door for her and greeted her. And when I did that, she looked at me with this just face of disgust and said something like, 
look, another male chauvinist. I can do it myself. I can open the door for myself. The whole point of this is that men, it's primarily our calling to be watchful, to be watchful, to be discerning. People are not our enemies, and I want to make that clear. People are not our enemies. People who promote these ideologies, they're precious souls that are being deceived by the enemy who calls evil good and good evil. And that's the attitude that we need to embrace. That's the attitude that we need to have. But we as men of God and spiritual protectors of the home, and the reason why I'm giving you all of this, is that we need to be keenly aware. We need to be aware of the messages, of the influences that are making their way into our home. This means, men, we need to be involved much more so in our children's lives. We need to show a committed interest in, in their activities and what they do, in who they hang out with, in their friend groups, in their emotions, in a way that communicates that I truly care about you and want to see you thrive. We need to show them to the best of our ability that we have a, over, an overall grasp on reality, on their reality. And we need to be comfortable and prepared to talk about these things and uh, the, these things that they experience, these things that they go through. And if you don't think that you can do that, you might think that you might be ill-prepared for, for that, and that's, that's, that's okay. Seek help. Seek Christian counsel with these things. Because your role as protector is as important now as it has ever been. And that's what we need to be striving for in the home, to model that vision of manhood that is keenly aware of the threats that are being ushered against our home today. And then lastly, under this point, mature masculinity is not only keenly aware of uh, attempts to be keenly aware of what's going on, but mature masculinity takes initiative to defend the home against spiritual threats with a Christ-like kind of love. Paul says this, as was read for us a moment ago in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 29. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And notice what Christ did for the church. He gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. This text says that Christ, what he did... He laid down his life for his bride. He paid the ultimate price to protect, to defend those in his charge. He recognized the spiritual threat 
of sin, of hell, and he took action against that threat. And brothers and sisters, that's a pattern. That's a specific pattern for mature masculinity, which is to be keenly aware of spiritual threats against the home and who takes initiative to defend to the point of death because it has a heart that's so full of love for those that he protects. In our culture today, uh, in, our, in our world, it tells us that this kind of male-centered protection uh, that we see within the Bible it's unnecessary, and it's even bad. And I don't mean to just pick on Disney, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to watch a Disney movie or, uh, or anything like that, uh, but Disney is most clearly the poster child of postmodern culture. <laughs> you can see postmodern culture very clearly communicated through uh, what's being propagated in, uh, in, in, in Disney. If you look closely at the plot line in many of their movies, it's, it's essentially the same. It's essentially the same kind of plot line. The main character has some kind of a desire. And then an authority figure, it's usually the father, tries to protect the character from the desire. And then at the end, the, the, the end of the conflict, the end resolution, you realize all along that the authority figure was wrong. He was wrong all along in seeking to protect, in seeking to defend that, that figure from that desire. Brothers and sisters, like it or not, this is the message that's being preached to you and your children through not just Disney, but through many, many different avenues. Here it is. Masculine protection is always overbearing. It's oppressive. It always hinders children from reaching their full potential, and it should be seen in a negative light. That's the message that's being communicated to you through various media outlets. And some of you might be thinking of yourself, you know, that sounds kind of silly. <laughs> that, that just, that, what, what, what in the world? How are you gathering that from, from, from a kid's show, from a, from, a, from, a, from a kid's movie? You're just being way too dramatic. Um, well, I would say to you, look around. Look around. There is very little, if any, respect for those with authority and leadership, leadership positions in our world today. I've talked to, uh, just another example, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to uh, many, many school teachers, um, and my heart goes out to school teachers. You, you do so much for our kids, for our community, for our homes. Uh, but I've talked to many, many people um, who teach um, who teach school, who say that the lack of respect among children today, it's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse. And it's most likely, I've heard from them, from their own mouth, that it's because we've become products of the messages that we are receiving on a daily basis. So, my point, men, our world today, what it's saying to you is that it's unnecessary and it's bad for you to embrace your role 
as an authority figure within your home. And it's bad, unnecessary, for you to take the initiative to defend your home and protect your home against spiritual threats. But doing so is absolutely essential for those that we love most. As we see within the pattern of Jesus, Jesus Christ fought valiantly to rescue and defend His bride, which is the pattern for biblical manhood. So the biblical vision of manhood, it sees the home, it sees those in His care as deeply precious, as deeply valuable, and will fight valiantly in a spirit of Jesus-like love to protect those in its care. That, what, that mean, what does that mean? What does that look like practically? Uh, that, that means that men, we, we need to take seriously what our home is watching, what we are ingesting, what we're allowing our kids to see and be exposed to. We need to take seriously what our home is wearing, the clothes that we wear. We need to take seriously where our home is going, what places we're allowing them to go and allowing them to be influenced by. We need to develop proper standards and enforce those standards in a spirit of Jesus-like love. As I said again, as, as I said before, as I quoted before, I'll quote again in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. The last part of that says, let all that you do be done in love. That defines what it means to act like a man. That that basically defines manhood in general. A man takes initiative to defend his home in the same spirit that Jesus displayed toward him, a spirit that is, has a heart full of agape, love toward those that it protects. Uh, now, as we begin to wrap up, uh, let's talk about another, uh, the last trait of biblical manhood, and that's devoted provision. Very briefly, mature masculinity seeks to ensure that the basic needs in the home are met, and that's, we kind of talked about this on Sunday night last week, uh, but that's not to say that women can't work outside of the home. Uh, we, we looked at Titus chapter 2 last week, um, but by God's design, it is the man that should feel the main burden to provide the basic needs for his family, to put food on the table, to offer clothes and shelter toward those in his care. Um, and then lastly this morning, mature masculinity provides an aurora of spiritual strength, much more than physical, but spir- spiritual strength to the home. And I don't think that it can be understated here how the, the, the kind of impact on children and families when a father shows this kind of unwaver, unwavering passion to be like Jesus, to grow in Jesus, and to reflect the character of Jesus in his own life. A statistic say that children are more likely to embrace the faith of their parents when they have a father who's deeply invested in the faith himself. 
And I just look at my own life as a, as a practical example and see from the very beginning. You know, I, I, I saw, I saw my, my dad as this source, as this rock, as this source of spiritual strength that impacted me, that influenced me in more ways than I even imagine, that more ways than I even know. So, men, you won't be able to deceive your home for very long. If your heart is, really isn't in this, if your heart isn't in this, uh, this pursuit of faith and growing like Jesus, then your home will be able to see it and will likely follow in your footsteps. That's why, that's why it's so important. That's why it's so important, partly for the sake of, of, of your family, men, to display a devoted spirit that provides, that provides this spiritual strength to your home. That, that means uh, men, that you, men, uh, that means that we are to take initiative in praying with our families, that we are to take initiative in, in, in serving together, in, 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 in uh, coming up with service projects for the family so that they may use their talents together to serve Jesus. It means for men to take the initiative in reading Scripture and memorizing Scripture with your families, together with your children. And it, and it means for the men to take initiative in coming to services together regularly. These are things that your home needs to see coming from you. They need to see it from your wife as well. And we're going to talk about that. But a part of men, a part of your God-given headship and leadership in your home is to provide, is to be providers, is to be a provider of the primary source of spiritual strength that your home feels and is blessed by, that's echoed through generations to come. So... God hasn't left us. All, all of these, this, this is weighty stuff, I realize. Uh, but God hasn't left us without an example, without a pattern to imitate. When we look to Jesus, when we look to Jesus Christ, we see the basic traits of biblical manhood. We see leadership. We see protection. We see provision. So men, look to Jesus Look to Jesus, set your eyes on Jesus, and He will show you what it means to be a man after God's own heart. This morning, if you have any need, if there's anyone that uh, desires uh, prayers or is struggling with something, we encourage you to make that known so that we can bear your burdens. You can come forward this morning, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm going to stand here in the front, and an elder is going to come down and stand with me as well. Um, and you can come forward and make that known. Or if you don't know Jesus Christ, you have an opportunity to embrace a relationship uh, with Him through, uh, through belief and repentance, uh, making, a, making a, a decision right now to go the other way, to do things God's way. And you can confess faith in Jesus and be immersed in Jesus in the waters of baptism this morning and begin a relationship with him. Uh, why don't you come forward this morning if you have any need as we stand?